This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Uh, my co-host, Naz Marchese, will be joining us by phone. Uh, he's not down here this morning, but we'll be certainly chatting with Naz very, very shortly. Joining me in studio this morning, uh, Sean Clement, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, I affectionately call Sean one of the world's great golf teachers. He's certainly one of the world's great Internet golf teachers, you've you've taken over social media and golf like nobody else I know, and I also will call you unabashedly one of Canada's great golf teachers. Welcome, well, Sean. I, I humbly thank you, Wally. Thank it, you. It's it's my pleasure, and certainly uh, we'll be chatting some golf at the end of the hour and uh, some great announcements in the life of Sean Clement. I'm really looking forward to sharing that with our listeners. So uh, we're talking some talking some golf at the bottom end of the hour, and at uh, middle of the hour, I'm thrilled to, and delighted to tell uh, tell uh, tell our listeners we'll be talking to the great legend, the great. Uh, Canadian skier Steve Podborski. Certainly that's going to be a thrill. One of my heroes, man. Yeah. You're taking me down memory lane big time here, Wally. Yeah, he's, awesome. a, he's, a, he's a hero for a lot of us. I uh, uh, got the idea to talk to Steve uh, in the middle of the week and uh, had the opportunity to look, at, uh, look back on his career. And what an incredible, and brought back so many incredible great memories of some great, great times. Crazy Canuck. The crazy Canucks and those yellow uniforms heading down the hill. And uh, so right after our first break, about 9.20-ish, uh, we'll be talking to the Great. Steve Podborski is going to be thrilled for us. And uh, talking about uh, um, sports and uh, on the line with us, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are good, you? Good morning, Wally. Good morning, Sean. How are you guys? Hey, Naz. Awesome, man. Miss That's you this great. morning, Naz. But uh, let's get right into it because, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a team down on Bay Street, uh, the Air Canada Centre, that... Uh, they look like they're rounding into form, Naz. And, you know, Mitch Marner last night, uh, five points. Um, you know what? The Leafs, uh, your assessment, Naz, they seem to be uh, they seem to be ramping it up. Get, you get ready for the Bay Street Parade, boys. <laughs> Naz, you're... No, pro- I'm just kidding about that. But they have know. a shot like anybody else, I'll tell you that much. Well, Tomorrow I- night they play Tampa Bay, which is uh, going to be a big one. Now, when you say they have a shot like anybody else, let's break it down, Naz. I think I think you're a little bit more positive than that. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're up there with Tampa Bay and Boston too. They could go to the Cup final. They could. What do you, What are you seeing in the last uh, What are you seeing in the last few weeks? Um, 
where uh, they seem to have, I wouldn't say they've turned it around, they didn't turn it around, uh, but they seem to be firing on a little bit more cylinders than they did perhaps in December. Um, where, where, are you seeing the, um, where are you seeing this improvement coming from? Well, there's two areas that they've improved. One is the area on defense where uh, Zaitsev has come back and Dermot has been playing fantastic. And Babcock has a lot of confidence in Dermot. He's put him on uh, penalty kill, and uh, for Babcock to do that, you must be in his good book. So they've improved their defense quite a bit, and putting Kadri together with Marlowe and uh, Mitch Marner was a terrific move. Uh, Babcock. That line looks fantastic. Yeah, Babcock stroke a genius. I mean, he he, he was mixing the lines around. Kadri was uh, didn't seem to be doing much in terms of his offensive output. Uh, seems to have turned it around, and he's he's a, he's an incredibly important player on this team. Um, you know, uh, I guess you'd call him. Uh, the second line center. I don't want to call him a second line center because uh, you know he's, he's he, during the Mike Babcock era. Nazem Kadri has been a very very effective player, and Naz, you've made the point. You know, Kadri plays with what they call quotation mark sandpaper. Sandpaper, yeah. And and he's an irritating guy to play against. And you know what? Every you know you look through history. It's almost every every team has a player like that. You know, and you know Boston's got Marshawn and. Uh, you know, all most teams have this irritant, and that and that's Nazem Kadri. But he's he's a, he's a highly skilled player. He's a talented player. Um, you know, difficulties his first few years. We don't want to get into it. Uh, but Babcock, uh, I think, sat him down. Uh, we we chatted with him um, one time at a Leaf practice, and you know, we were impressed. Uh, um, with his with his replies and with his demeanor, and uh, seemed to have it took a little bit of maturity for Kadri to to turn his game around. Uh, so certainly, the interesting stat about Kadri, and you've pointed it out, Naz, quite a few times, is he draws more penalties than anybody else in the league. Yeah, and he enjoys doing it. Remember <laughs> talking about it. You see a big smile on his face when we asked him that question, and uh, he's 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 been good. He's been really good. And uh, we're we're headed towards uh, the uh, the trade deadline, and we're you know that's fast approaching now. I mean, we're in the middle of February; you've got a couple of weeks left. Um, there's a few names being thrown out around. Uh, a couple of teams are already deemed to be sellers in this market. One of them being the New York Rangers, uh, Ottawa Senators, uh, Montreal Canadiens. Um, there's quite Detroit. a few teams around uh, Detroit, uh, and that's just talking about the teams on this side of North America. Uh, on the other side of North America, I'm sure there's sellers over there too. All Arizona will be selling whatever yeah. veterans. They don't have too many veterans. Actually, for the first time this morning, I, I saw Max Domi's name being thrown around, which I count, found kind of uh, shocking. But the big guy, the big guy that you know is. That is becoming associated with potential move to Toronto is Rick Nash. Uh, no way. Okay, no, Nash. Never do that. Not in a million years. You would. You want to ruin that team? You bring Rick Nash on it. There's if you no want to, you want to ruin the Toronto Maple Leafs? That's you bring right. you bring in Rick Nash. No, you don't bring in Rick Nash. Okay, Absolutely. you so don't bring him in. Why? Is, there up front. They don't need another forward. So they you, need a they need a stay at home defenseman or an experienced defenseman. Uh, Ainsy's been great. But uh, we brought this uh, gentleman up last year, and this year he's, with, he's still with Detroit, 
and the end of his contract is near, and that's Stefan Cromwell. Oh, you're starting the Cromwell rumor again now? Absolutely. He would okay. be absolutely perfect for this team. Setting influence, Babcock knows him very well, and a very good player. So, no, no, uh, we don't want Rick Nash. No, and, and no, we, we don't need any help up front, Wally. And, uh, and uh, talking about up front, I mean, uh, JVR, I, I, I think I saw Lamorello or the social media yeah, the social media universe is saying that JVR is going nowhere. He's, Leafs are going to make a run for it, uh, and JVR they'll deal with after the season. So it, it, the rumors of JVR exiting town uh, is uh, he's not going anywhere. Is uh, he's incredible on the power play wall? You see him in front of the net. He's a vacuum cleaner. He touches everything. Well, he's, he's, he's a hard world, to clear. Yeah, there's you know what uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, he's a world class player. You know, high, highly skilled, and, you know, what if they can get him on a contract? You know, get him on a contract. Bring him back. I mean, you know, there's been all this talk that, you know, JVR is leaving town. JVR is leaving town. I mean, I don't want to see him leave town. I, th- I, think, he's, I think he's a highly skilled player. Don't he, forget, this, this guy was drafted second overall in his yeah. draft for Philly. He's no slouch. And, and just think who we got him for. Huh. <laughs> Shen. Yeah, what? A, who made who made that deal? Whoever made that deal for the lease was a genius. Yes, who? <laughs> was Ryan Burke. Was that Berkey? That was yeah. the only good trade he made. <laughs> <laughs> God bless. He left. He left uh, JVR behind. So uh, good for him. Any? Uh, okay. So we're talking. We're talking uh, defensive depth. Or are defensive we talk? Are we? Are we looking for? Are we looking for a five or a six, or are we looking for a two or a three, Naz? We're looking for a five or six, and Cromwell fits the five and six at this point of his career. Perfect fit. And uh, give a second rounder and make the move. Uh, second rounder for Stefan Cromwell. Wow, that'd be a great trade for the Leafs. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we see that one come come to pass. And are we talking uh, uh, one, two? Two uh, two moves? No, I don't think I would move anybody up front. I think they're fine. And on the D, how many D you want to bring in? The, the, the D one. They, they, Dermot has played very well. They need a little bit more depth. That'll be it. And how you uh, how you foreseeing the uh, D shake the top six shaking up for the playoffs? Uh, assuming, okay, let's assume you bring in one guy like Cronwall, which whatever. Who are the other five? Well, Connor Carrick would have to come out of the equation. So it'd be Ainsley, um, Riley, Gardner, uh, Dermot, Cromwell, if not Carrick, and uh, who would be the sixth? Uh, whoever the sixth defenseman is, it, it rotates with. They uh, rotate, and uh, come come playoff time, they, you'll probably you'll yeah. pr- at some point you'll dig into your number seven guy as well. Uh, yeah, depending you're gonna need injuries, all the you're going to need them all, right? Uh, don't forget, Toronto has a farm team that's first overall in the AHL too, so. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some of those guys come up. And does Kapanen ever look good? Oh, oh where, my goodness gracious! Where, what a skater that kid is. Where, where do you where do you fit Kapanen in on this team? Well, he's a fourth liner, but he's not going to be for long. Next year, uh, he'll be uh, he'll be on the top two lines for sure. That kid's got excellent talent. Yeah, he certainly. Every time he comes up, he seems to do something special and. Uh, uh, I agree with you on Kapanen. You got you somehow. You have to find a way to keep him in in the lineup. 
Uh, before we let you go, Ness, uh, we got a, as a uh, sure, sure you're aware, we've got the great Steve Podborski coming up after the break. But uh, the crazy Canucks, the yeah. crazy Canucks. Uh, certainly, we're going to have a blast going down memory lane and uh, catching up with Steve Podborski and uh, talking to him about some of the great things he's doing nowadays as well. It's not just a trip down memory lane. Uh, Steve's uh, Steve's still working hard on making things better for athletes in Canada. We certainly want to chat with him about that, an organization <coughs> called Parachute Canada. But, Naz, before we let you go, Freddie Anderson, he's been hot lately. Uh, he's starting to do what goalies need to do uh, at this time of year. And, and if you want to be successful uh, in the playoffs or even uh, in your stretch drive, Goalies have to win you games in today's NHL, and Freddie Anderson seems to be doing that. In fact, there's some, you know, some of the local guys around here and uh, are even even throwing it out there that Freddie Anderson should receive some Vezina consideration. Your thoughts, Ness? Yeah, why not? I mean, he had a slow start as usual the first ten games, I think, and then after that, he's been the best goalie in the National Hockey League. So why not have some? Uh doesn't say for sure he's he's there it certainly will be uh, um I, I think he does deserve some consideration uh, you know it uh, so uh, if he so if he keeps it up i mean there's a lot of hockey to be played yet and we're getting into we're getting into february and march stretch drive hockey which is which is certainly different than october november hockey so uh if freddie keeps it going uh, certainly that discussion has to be had Naz, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up for this segment of the show. Uh, we're gonna let you go and uh, want to see you in here next Sunday morning, Naz. So, I'll be there next Sunday. Yeah. But, uh, just think, just want to ask because I always check on what you're wearing on Sunday mornings. You wearing any Leaf gear this morning? Yes, I'm wearing my Leaf uh, jersey, Dave Keon. <laughs> oh, fantastic! And I don't know if you've seen those new jerseys they're wearing for the uh, Stadium Series. Uh, listeners, go check them out. Apparently, the Leafs have new jerseys for the uh, new. The white jer- one looks pretty good. The white ones, yeah, they got white pants and white, yeah. largely white sweaters. They better hope it doesn't snow that day because <laughs> you won't be able to see any Leafs out on the ice. Anyways, Naz, we'll let you go. Okay, have a good show, guys. Thanks so much, Naz. Again, see you, see you next Sunday. Have that, a great Sunday, man. That's of course is uh, my great co-host Naz Marchese. Uh, we got to go to break, and then we're going to come back with the break with Canadian ski legend Steve Podborski. Should be a thrill. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. 
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM and also video live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. Certainly a thrill this morning. We have the opportunity to chat with the great Canadian ski legend, Steve Podborski. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, just so that you're aware, it's uh, it's uh, uh, I have in studio with me this morning a huge fan of yours as well, uh, who's co- helping me co-host this morning. Sean Clement happens to be one of Canada's great golf teachers, and he's also a, he's also a ski fanatic. So uh, you may you're going to get questions from two sides here. So Steve, once again, I'll just quickly quickly start with the following. Uh, how does a kid from Don Mills make it to the top of the ski world? I didn't see any ski hills in Don Mills the last time I drove around. <laughs> Tell us the story, yeah, neither Steve. Neither did I, actually. So, uh, <laughs> if you, if there's still the, the uh, just beside the Don Valley Parkway, there's still a little bit of a uh, hill that you, still has the actual towers on it from the ski lift. So I skied a little bit in Don Mills, and then uh, a lot more in Collingwood. I was just up there yesterday skiing. And... Uh, you know, I guess it's just uh, one turn at a time. That's how you do it. Just like you do one shot at a time at golf. That's it. You can only do what you got right in front of you. <clears throat> and uh, you just, uh, it was a nice segue into my next question. Uh, I don't highly script my questions, but I did want to ask you this. And uh, you just answered it for me, but I'll get into it a little bit more in depth. Do you still ski? Do you still, let me, <laughs> let me rephrase the question. Do you still downhill ski pretending that you're at Kitzbühel? Absolutely. Every turn is going to be the best turn I've ever had in my life, for sure. Uh, unfortunately, the reality isn't what it is imagined in my brain. And as I like to say, every day I go skiing I'm a little slower than I was the day before. But it's still quite a bit of fun. And, you know, I get to rip a few turns with my friends and, uh, and my beautiful wife. It's great. Man, that, that's awesome. Um, I, I basically um, left the ski world in the, in the 80s. And, um, you know, I, I've noticed that there's been a huge change in equipment. So, um, like, I just got uh, the job as director of development for the, uh, the, the Golf Academy at the Royal Quebec Golf Club. And I'm starting uh, in, in May, and I'll be uh, right near Mont-Saint-Anne, which is one of my favorite hills of all time. Uh, if you were to uh, recommend, uh, um, you know, a guy who loves, uh, you know, giant slalom, 
Uh, I don't do moguls anymore. My, my last <laughs> no. pair of mogul skis were, were a pair of 204 uh, Dynamic, and uh, I don't do that anymore. Uh, I know better. But what would you recommend as far as equipment? What do you, how would you re-equip yourself? Well, I would just make sure I get boots that fit really well, because <laughs> that's what translates the uh, movements from your body to your skis, and vice versa. And then a good pair of GS skis. You know, they don't have to be race skis, but they can be something pretty close to it. Uh, in as much as uh, the ones that aren't super racy kind of might initiate a little easier. Yeah. And then they, they hold on like crazy, which is what you want, especially when you've got some of that eastern powder going on. What's the length uh, now? Uh, that, the longest you probably want to go is a 175. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking yeah. to Steve Podborski. Steve, uh, if if my research tells me correctly, you are still the only non-European to have won the men's downhill title. Of course, these were the great. Uh, that was 1982. <clears throat> uh, of course, there was the great run in uh, Lake Placid where you won the bronze medal in 1980. Uh, and it is Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics have started, and uh, just the, just the thought of uh, interviewing on the air brought back so many great memories for me, uh, Steve. Uh, I'm actually a year older than you are, so I lived uh-huh. through all of this uh, and watched some of your great runs. And, uh, I barely lived through it all. So we're <laughs> but let, let's talk about that great day. Let's you know we we want to go. Uh, it's Winter Olympics. We want to talk about that great day at Lake Placid in 1980. And that was uh, uh, my recollection is that the weather wasn't the best that day, and you had to go down the hill after Ken Reed. I, I still remember watching this on on TV. You had to go down the hill after Ken Reed, and Ken, I believe Ken Reed was actually the favorite that year. No to, question, to win Ken the, is, uh, to, and was a great skier, and he, at that time he had uh, had a spectacular season, and certainly was one of the favorites. And uh, you know he went out of the gate uh, one or two ahead of me, and uh, I was waiting at the top, and all of a sudden there's all this radio chatter, and so I looked over at our start coach and I said, "What's going on?" And he looked at me with that kind of panic-stricken look, and he goes, oh, "Do you want to know?" I'm going. Uh, that's why I asked. <laughs> and he said, Ken fell. I went, oh, great. Right? Because it's uh, it's way better in some ways that, you know, he goes down and does well because then there's nothing left to do except just do your own run. But in this case, it, you know, tossed the, the pressure back onto me. So I just accepted it for what it was, which is all you can do is the run you're going to do. And, and away I went. Steve, when you got down, when you got down the bottom of the hill, uh, and, and obviously it, you, we see it on TV, the skiers look up and they look at the clock. Uh, did you know immediately at that point in time when you looked up that you had won the bronze medal? No, I didn't. I was still kind of in, in shock. I nearly fell in the middle of the flats, and I was still, you know, ripping myself up for making that boo boo, but but saving it and. There was some, you know, tough parts at the top of the hill as well. Uh, I think it, in many cases, downhill ski racing is not how well you do, but it's how much better you, or how, much, how many fewer mistakes you make than everybody yeah. else. And so it was a, it was a good run, obviously, uh, but it was uh, not as uh, bad as some of the others. But the guy who won was superb. I was really happy to be in third place when I figured that out. And it, you know, it's a. Uh, and it's still pretty standout in a large part because, you know, Canadians, we really think we're, we're a winter sports nation, and today we are. But back then, uh, you know, we won two medals at those games. Wow. And, uh, you know, the other guy was a young man from Quebec named Gaetan Boucher. Oh, Boucher. Yeah, yeah and Gaetan won not only that medal, the silver, in the long track, 
But of the next games, he won. he won three of the four medals that we won. And so without Gaetan Boucher, we would have been uh, a much, uh, even fewer medals. The guy was... Blazing a trail. Machine. We're talking to yeah. Steve Podborski. Steve, uh, generally, uh, we, uh, a lot of focus uh, in, in sports media is, is on professional athletes. And, you know, we, we get a lot of professional athletes on this show. Not as much of an opportunity to talk about amateur athletes or Olympians and it's certainly uh, a privilege for us to be able to to speak to you and I've always wanted to ask an Olympian I've never had the opportunity to ask this question um, and I know that you missed you were you were supposed to be in the 76 games at Innsbruck and you missed those because of injury and then you you made it to the 80 games in Lake Placid and um, I've always wanted to ask an Olympian um, What's it like walking into that stadium behind somebody holding a Canadian flag? Because watching it on TV as a Canadian, and I, you know, I mean, I think we're so privileged to live in this country. I, I always get a chill up my spine when I watch the Winter Olympics and I see somebody marching in with that Canadian flag. And I've always, and I can only imagine what it's like for a Canadian to walk behind this flag, behind our flag. If, well, you can, ways, if you can distill the, the that for us, let it, <laughs> let, it, let it tell us how that felt. Well, in many ways, it's the best part of the games it, it, because the, um, the you know being representing Canada, just standing there with a the flag, is an enormous privilege. Right? It's the best part. But one of the other things that make it even greater is that the games haven't started yet, so everybody still thinks maybe maybe I can win. It's still possible. You know, the harsh reality of the Olympic Games is in each event only one person or one team wins the gold medal. And then there's silver and bronze, which are also fantastic. But uh, at the opening ceremonies, you know, it, all the opportunities still exist, and it's a fantastic time. And, and uh, as you march in behind the Canadian flag, you know that, you know, you're rocking it, man. And and you know what? You're walking in. You look around and go, "Wow, look at that!" You know, there's that the, the, those figure skaters. They're the best in the world. And there's that freestyle skier. She's the best in the world. And like you start going, "Wow!" And I'm I'm with them all. It's just about them as good as it gets. Uh, Steve, uh, you won the you won the downhill title in 1982. First non-European, and I think still the only non-European. Uh, you won uh, you won at Kitzbühel the Hanenkam. In eighty one, eighty two, and uh, you know that's that's one incredible ski run, um, and it's you know winning there is almost considered like winning the world championship of downhill skiing. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what it's like to to head down that hill. I've heard it described as terrifying. Um, when you're in the gates at the Hanenkam in Kitzbühel, tell us tell us what that feels like. Well, the first time you're in the gate of the Hanenkam in Kitzbühel, it's more than terrifying. It's uh, I, my first time. I was 17, and I was could not imagine, literally couldn't imagine making it to the finish. I could I could imagine hitting the nets and the fences and the hay bales, and, but I managed to miss them, and so that was good. By the time I was uh, getting into the, the early 80s, I was racing it, and I would say to you, there's about 10 guys, eight guys, 12 guys who actually race that course, and the rest of them are trying to make it. And it's uh, it's just very, very intimidating. There's a lot of extreme uh, angles, and the snow is so hard you can skate on it. It's, uh, 
it, it's so steep you can barely inspect. It's it's very difficult to describe. As I like to tell the story, I would phone my parents every year. It cost me about 100 bucks because back then everything was expensive. And I'd say, my gosh, you won't believe how steep and fast and icy it is here. And uh, finally, I took my parents there the year after I retired. And my mom and dad went up to the start. My mom said, I'm not going down there. And my dad did it. And he came up and he said, Steve, you won't believe how steep and fast and icy it is. Because it's just indescribable. It really is. That's, uh, that's uh, you know, I can't even imagine that. I'm, I have a 17-year-old son who's uh, highly ranked in uh, BMX racing right now. And mm-hmm. the question I have for you is, and I, and obviously that day, the way you were destri- describing it is you're, you're getting familiar with your surroundings, intimately, I hear. And what, what, when, when, when was that moment where you felt like, okay, the getting familiar is over, I'm ready? Oh, so it's a progression. You know, I spent a lot of time uh, a couple of years before I started winning, uh, going winning sections. Actually, one whole year I spent winning section times and then crashing because I thought that I had to ski faster than I could. Right. And then I finally got to a race, actually in 79 or 80, the, the Olympic year is when I figured out that if I just ski as fast as I can, I should be able to win the race, and in fact did. And so uh, Kitzbühel requires uh, a lot of great skiing from top to bottom. But um, it's a progression. You learn you learn your craft, and then one day you, you believe it. <laughs> and that's... Uh, that's, that's um, it was a great day actually. We're talking to Steve Podborski. Steve, one last uh, one last uh, question uh, going down memory lane. Then we'll we'll get on to what uh, the the great work that you're doing today. Uh, but we'd be remiss if I didn't get a chance to talk about the crazy Canucks. Um, you you enchanted you and uh, I guess Dave, and the two Daves, uh, Dave Irwin and Dave Murray and Ken Reed, and uh, I never actually ever figured out whether Jungle Jim Hunter was ever actually considered part of the crazy Canucks, so maybe you can, uh, you can, you can uh, expound upon that, but uh, you, enchant, you guys enchanted a nation for so many years, and the reality is... Uh, the sense I got, you, uh, you, you were competitors, but you're also good friends, and there was a there was a great camaraderie between you. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how special the uh, the crazy Canucks were in in your life. You know, it was a it was a fantastic um, kind of uh, synergy that was created uh, amongst the, the four guys that you mentioned. Uh, the reason that Jungle didn't quite stay in the crazy connect thing because we call him the original crazy connect he was certainly a leader and a, a fantastic ski racer was that he actually ended up timing out he, he retired um, before he really started to win everything and so the four guys went through the whole period and it was uh the synergy as i said was what made it magic you know back then and even today if you ask an austrian would he radio up to the start to tell another guy how to race the course it'll look like you have two heads and in Canada, that's what you do, because we want to beat them more than I want to beat Ken. I'd rather Ken win and then, uh, than the other guys. And, of course, the, the favor gets passed back the next week. If Ken starts first, he'll radio to me and tell me how to, uh, how to win the race course. And by doing things the others wouldn't but could, we changed the rules. And on top of that, the good part was that we actually really did enjoy each other's company, and it was a fantastic thing to go ski racing through Europe with those guys. And, uh, you know, we had our differences. But what the beauty of it was every day uh, when there was a race, if uh, Dave didn't win, and the other Dave was right in there. And so with that kind of uh, 
ham and egg, and yet we managed to change the rules and, uh, and uh, you know, have some fun. Talking to Steve Podborski. Steve, we're going to... We're going to move you along the timeline and uh, take you to June 2017, and you became president and chief executive officer of Parachute Canada, which is a Canadian charitable organization which is focused on injury prevention. Um, tell us, uh, tell us about your work there, and tell us, tell us what Parachute Canada, what what its mission is, and uh, what uh, what it's setting out to do. Well, as you mentioned, it's about injury prevention. So the first thing I probably should talk about is why on earth would you put a downhill ski racer in an injury <laughs> prevention chair? Crazy. And I think the answer to that is is pretty simple: is that you, know, you can't win the race if you're broken, right? You can't win the race if you just plowed it into the nets and hurt your ankle. You have to be really great at your job, superb at it, so that you can always get to the finish and survive. And, you know, our, our, the reason we're called parachute is because it's like, would you skydive without a parachute? <laughs> no, that's silly, right? And so that whole concept of, like, preparation, of doing it right, is really what injury prevention is. And when we do our job right, nothing happens. You never hear about us. It's only when somebody looks at their phone and runs over a five-year-old kid or uh, somebody is uh, looking left instead of right when they're driving their car or... Yeah, these are preventable injuries, the tragedies, the costs are enormous. And so our job is to uh, change it up. And so our mission statement is, you know, to create Canada free of serious injury and death where Canadians live a long life to the fullest. And, you know, that's really one of the, the great parts of our mission, our vision, is that while we're talking about injury prevention, you can actually be pretty safe if you go into your bedroom and put a blanket over your head. But that's just not the way it should be in Canada. You have to live a long life to the fullest. Yeah. And uh, by getting out and playing and uh, not getting really seriously injured or die, you're going to have a great life. And that's what it's meant to be in Canada. And uh, in terms of your date, in terms of the organization's day-to-day activities, and how does it, uh, how does it get its message out? Uh, if, if coaches want to contact it or uh, do you guys... Uh, does the organization go across Canada doing uh, presentations? Could you give Indeed, us a little idea how you do that? Sure. Well, we have a, a lot, many, many different ways. We do educational programs called Brainwaves for kids in grades four to six. They actually make a brain out of gelatin and, and have PhD students who come in to teach them about the construction of the brain. We also have our uh, National Teen Driver Safety Week. Again, right across Canada, tens of thousands of youth. Uh, get education programs. We do positive ticketing, giving them a ticket. The police go in and give them a ticket for doing something right and, uh, you know, really turn up the dial on education. Uh, for example, on the uh, kind of the, the higher level side, let's say, uh, we created Canada's first harmonized concussion protocol. So uh, if you're in the National Sport Organization, Hockey Canada, Alpine Canada, Athletics Canada, Swimming Canada, they all have the same concussion protocol now. And it's much more advanced than it was even two, three years ago. Uh, Canada happens to be a world leader in, in concussion research. And so they had a big conference in Berlin just last summer. And uh, we rewrote it into common language. And now you go to our website, parachutecanada.org, and you can download that concussion protocol for yourself because it works for everybody, not just uh, you know our Olympians. And that uh, protocol... Is, is has everything in it, including the, the form you, you know, have your doctor go through. So it's a very complete 
It's, and it's thoughtful and easy to use. That's huge, uh, Steve, because my daughter, who played soccer, she just finished her fifth year soccer at Queens. Uh, in her second year, had a, a major concussion, and we went through hell yeah. Uh, to, to, to get her around that ordeal, and uh, this is very, very much needed. And uh, oh, that's off to you so for what you're doing, and I, I want to be part of it as soon as, yeah. as soon as possible. Great. Thank you. We, we, we'd love some support. Go to ParachuteCanada.org. You can make a donation. We'll continue to do our good work. You know, we'd want our children to grow up healthy and, and well. And as you noted from my discussions, all the things, most of the things we do are focused around children and youth. Because they're our investment in the future, and they're like, you know, we love our children, and we want them to grow up. Uh, you know, you watch your kid get a head injury or any kind of injury, and it just breaks your heart. Absolutely. And we don't want broken hearts. We want people to be able to go through their lives, and you know, playing hard and having fun and, uh, and living a long life to the fullest. And when your kid gets whacked in the head, mm. you know, luckily, I, I presume she came out right away, which is really good. It's when you send them back in, that even when the kid says, yeah. I feel funny, or, you know, I saw stars, and they said, no, you're okay, go back. And, you know, bad things happen. Uh, and that's why we have Rowan's Law here in Ontario, because Rowan Stringer didn't tell anybody that she'd got a concussion and went back in a few days later. She's a 16-year-old high school rugby player and, and, and was killed. And it's just the worst thing you can ever happen, imagine happening. So we want to avoid that. We want people to follow the rules and live a long life to the fullest. And you know, concussion protocols, if you're, not, if you're under 18 and you get a head injury, you should be back between two and four weeks. If you're not, then you have something that's more, it's a persistent concussion, you need secondary treatment. But typically, most kids get, and adults get hit on the head, and they should be back you know, within a month. We've been talking to Steve Podborski. Steve, uh, we've talked about concussions quite a bit on, on, on our show for the last few years, and or it's fact that I, I prefer to call them brain injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually had, uh, I noticed you were on a presentation with Dr. Michael Cusimano, and we had yeah, him on the show awesome. a while back. Yeah. And this is a topic, as, I, as I'm sure you're aware, it's, it's an critical topic. And people tend to focus on brain injuries, concussions, insofar as it's professional football players or professional hockey players and we tend to forget that there's a bigger problem out there it's concussions amongst and brain injuries amongst our children playing minor sports and amongst our amateur athletes Uh, steve you know as well as i do that's a topic we could spend a lot more time on so we will extend an invitation to you to come (laughs) back on the show to talk about this very very important topic and we want to thank you so much for this morning it's a pleasure, gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about uh, my favorite thing, which, of course, my skiing career way back when. <laughs> but my new favorite thing is you know, making a difference in, in our world to make Canada better, not only for you know, the adults to play sports, but our kids. And uh, that way we can continue to have a long, happy life and continue to uh, you know, kick ass at the Olympics. Absolutely. Steve, I just want to leave it this way. You... you uh you and uh, we've had, well, thank you and the Crazy Canucks. Uh, what an incredible moment in Canadian sports history. You brought, you enchanted a nation uh, for, for years and years, and we thank you so much. Um, you left some great memories, and you continue to great, create better memories today. Thanks so much, Steve. A pleasure. Cheers. Honor, sir. Thank you. Thanks. An honor, uh, definitely an honor. Steve Podborski, Canadian ski legend. Uh, what a thrill. 
You know, I, I, I just, I That's just, so when cool. I think Steve Podborski, Ken Reed, uh, and the two Daves, I just, I just have that picture in my mind of them going down the ski hill, just devil may care. I mean, they just, they just attacked and, uh, I skied on 223s, yeah. man. They're like railway uh, what, ties. What it's a, unbelievable. What an absolute great time in Canadian sports history. And, uh, like I said, we, we tend to, we tend to get all the pros on this show, but, uh, a true hero and a true yeah. legend, Steve Podborski. Certainly a pleasure. Uh, we've got to go to break because right after the break, Mr. Clement, we've got to talk <laughs> about you. We're going to change the topic from, we're going to change from white to green. We're Here going we go. snow to grass. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced the Pizzaville app. Order your Pizzaville favourites right on your cell phone. It's easy, fast, and unlike other apps, the Pizzaville app lets you order and pay for your food. OK, I've opened the app. Now I'm placing my order. Now I've paid for my order. Whoa! Download your free Pizzaville app today from the Apple App Store or Google Play. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Uh, it's time to move from the ski hills to the golf courses. Although, if I look outside, uh, Sean, uh, looking good, man. More disca- snow on the way. This discussion uh, may be a little bit premature, <laughs> but uh, we're both golf junkies. Anyways, uh, give I got to give you a proper introduction, Sean. You are, of course, the the uh, the wisdominggolf.com, dot uh, com. One of the world's great uh, golf teachers, in my estimation. Uh, you can be found. You want to see Sean? Check him out at wisdomandgolf.com. Check him out at uh, on YouTube. Some of the best, best uh, YouTube material, golf material, Thank in you, high definition. Nobody breaks it down like you do, Sean. And uh, Wisdom and Golf and Sean 
have some announcements.、Uh, you have.、Uh, We're expanding. You are expanding, and some significant things have happened in your life in the last、uh, three, four months. So bring、uh, bring me up to date, and please bring our listeners up to date in terms of、uh, what you're doing in the golf world. Well, it's、um, the oldest club in North America. Just、uh, revamped their golf academy, and they hired me as their、uh, director of development for their golf academy in Quebec City at the Royal Quebec Golf Club. Congratulations! Thank you very much. So the oldest club and the oldest city in North America, and it's to me it's significant、uh, because you know this is the way we should have been teaching golf in the first place, and it's it's ironic that we just had Steve Podborski on the line, and、uh, his new organization is all about injury prevention. And this is exactly what we do. I mean, not only do we offer a much more technically sound way to swing, but it's a swing that you'll be able to do every day, get up the next day, and do it again, and really enjoy your golf without thinking. So that's, I mean, that's that's what we do best. And、uh, we're going to be able to take it to Quebec City.、Uh, my head teacher now becomes the director of、uh, the the Wisdom in Golf Academy. At Richmond Hill, so, so we're talking. So the, your your、uh, your、uh, golf academy at the Richmond Hill Golf Course is still going to be there. You bet. Richmond Hill Golf Academy is at Bathurst and Highway Seven. You bet. So that's still going to be there, and it's still going to be under your management. My, my partner for twelve years, Paul Davies. He's he's a left-handed version of me. He teaches exactly what I teach. So is Donna. I mean, all of you gals out there, you want to, you know, or your the husbands who have a wife who want to be introduced into golf. Donna is your girl.、Uh, she's been with us for eight years. Incredible person, incredible teacher. She's our senior instructor there. And then、uh, Eric and Rob、uh, bring up、uh, the, the whole team's been there for. We've had the same team for over six years. So just phenomenal. Best team in North America. Tell her, and I, I really want you to.、Um, uh, and if you're if you're out there and you're listening and you're passionate about golf, or、uh, or you even if you're even if you're just casual about golf, but you do want to improve because、yep. human beings, whatever they do, they want to improve. Yep. Right. And、um, in your first and, lesson, and, and and I always said, you know what. Check out Sean Clement. Check him out on the internet. Go to the Richmond Elf Golf Center. But what is it that you do, Sean? I, I I want you to explain to our listeners why are you different. I mean, we've been inundated. Yep. If, if there isn't one area in in sports or in human endeavor、yep. that is that they've made something that should have been simple,、yep. they've made it complicated. Yes. You know, until I met you. And、uh, you know, I, I probably knew every single golf book that ever existed, every single position that ever existed,、yes. and all it did was clutter my brain and wasted twenty years of my life trying to. Uh, 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 We have thousands of students <laughs> like you trying to master、Walter. something.、Yeah. In what I now that I've come to realize, I think is was in the wrong way. So、That's、please,、right. please tell our listeners what is it that you do,、yep. and how is it different than every anybody else they might see out there. Okay, so、um, a person, a very key person to speak to in the scientific world,、uh, her name is Gabrielle Wolf, and all she does is study how us humans learn motor skills, and we are terrible at body part positioning. We we don't know where the body parts are. We shouldn't know, but we're amazing at task. 
whether you're throwing a dart into a dartboard, cutting down a tree with an axe, cutting grass with a grass whip. So we are task-based to target. Without the target, you can't negotiate the intersection, which is impact. So the more accurate your target is, the smaller your target is, the more accurate your strike's going to be. So every, you know, every other uh, teaching facility will demonstrate to you that you're defective and you need a fix. You're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. You they put, put the you elbow on video. up here, That's it. you exactly. turn here. And, uh... Uh, uh, so, and we are here to show you that you're a flipping genius. You're a gravity expert already. You have been built to survive and thrive on this planet. And in, in the first lesson, if you don't have more than a handful of amazing benchmarks, shots that you've never hit before, there's a problem. And that's what we do best. And, you know, getting you to really enjoy the game, we are the best in the world at it. So, you know, and then because we've done our homework. The first thing, I was on a Canadian ski patrol, man. You know, and that's so Steve Podborski's my hero. And I learned anatomy. I fell in love with anatomy. And I realized, hey, you can't go against the human body. So we'll never teach you anything that goes against your anatomy because it's already built properly to do this. We'll never teach you anything that goes against your wiring. We are naturally self-preserved to perform these amazing tasks without thinking. And, and you'll be amazed at yourself. I mean, when people leave a lesson with us, mostly what we're proud of is they realize that they can actually do it. I think they the, feel capable. Yeah, I think the easiest way to explain it is you, you're trying to create feels. You bet. In golf swings. You bet. And you're trying to create images. Yes. Rather than in sticking your elbow in a certain position. You have a picture. Or, yeah. And uh, there's uh, you gave me a great lesson this summer. I, I, was, I, I wasn't able to get out of bunkers. Right. Uh, and I was constantly leaving the ball. I couldn't get the ball out of a greenside bunker anymore. I'd blade it over the other side of the green. And, and just an idea of how you work. Basically, you took me. Uh, you know the the little barn right next to your range at Richmond Hill, and you have yep. a little bunker there, yep. and, you, and you just said spray some sand on on the building. Yeah, the little spray paint some sand onto spray, my wall. That's it. And it's, that's all you told. That was the lesson. Spray paint sand on the wall. Yep. I went out the next day, and I was like, I was get out of bunkers like like no tomorrow. You just spray and painting I, divots of sand I onto the just, green I where you wanted spraying, the ball to land. I'm just spraying sand out of the bunker. That's right, and that's all you told me. The ball's just a big grain you of sand. You didn't tell me to put my finger in this position or my elbow there that's or it. bend this way or tilt your spine or any of this other stuff. That's right. Just spray some sand, out, spray some sand, and hit the building, and all of a sudden the ball's popping out of the bunker like no tomorrow. Yeah. What's going on in the equipment world? Well, I mean, we have uh, some significant investments that are going on at our club here at Richmond Hill. Uh, we're getting a um, GC Quad, which is a launch monitor that's photo-based. There's four cameras with nine lenses on this thing. It'll give you impact. It'll give you the lie of your club through impact. And we're going to be able to do all kinds of fittings. We can actually fit you with a, the proper golf ball mat now. So... Not only are we going to do the best fittings on the planet with this thing from, from Foresight Golf, um, we're going to be doing fittings for, you know, club adjustments, uh, golf balls, all that stuff. And uh, we're going to be, we're going majorly into ping. We're going to have a, like a mini uh, fitting center for ping in the east end of town. So you'll be able to get like the best fitting available. And it's really going to help our teaching staff as well, uh, you know, assess you even better. 
And it's just a great, uh, a great barometer to what the situation is. It's a good benchmark to put our students on. We've got a golf <clears throat> show in Toronto. Yes, sir. At the end of the month. Yes, sir. Uh, tell us. I know that you're coming down. I'm going to be one of the main presenters there. You're yeah. going to be one of the main presenters. So tell us all about what's going on at the golf show, when it's on, where it's on, and what are you going to be doing there, Sean? So I believe it's uh, February 23 to 25. That weekend, anyways. That weekend. So Friday to Sunday? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I'll be there uh, noon and 4 o'clock on Friday, 1 and 4 o'clock on Saturday, and 3 o'clock on Sunday, giving a nice presentation. I'll have my GC quad there as well. And um, we're going to show you exactly how we teach at, uh, at the Richmond Hill uh, Golf Club, you know, for Wisdom in Golf, and obviously how we're going to be teaching in Quebec City as well. And uh, it'll be just a fantastic time. Come on over. And that'll be, once again, that's in, that's in a couple of weeks. Yep. Friday to Sunday, and you're going to be there. And uh, TorontoGolfShow.ca, they, they, check it out. They or can, they can check you out. Yep. And uh, you'll be doing, uh, will you be, will they have... People come up and hit shots, and you'll be analyzing them? Absolutely. All trial uh, yeah, people I mean, be able to get analyzed on, on... We'll be answering all kinds of questions on, uh, you know, on, on, on how, you know, like most people are, they want to know how to fix their over-the-top or how to stop topping the ball, things like that. And you're going to see some incredibly innovative and easy ways to, to get that done for yourself. So you're going you're gonna to get to learn some really cool stuff and, and to see us, you know, demonstrate on the spot. Anything else new and exciting in the golf world that's really ca- captured your attention? Um, well, Tiger's back. Okay. Hopefully and, and he's here, to, let, you he's know, here to stay for a little while. <laughs> you know what? We've, ta- you've, we've talked about Tiger on the show. Uh, Brandel, you know, we've talked to yeah. Brandel Shambly on the show. I know that uh, you and, you and Brandel... Uh, have similar viewpoints on on the swing, yeah. And uh, and Brandel seems to be uh, seems to be happy about Tiger's, shall we call it a new swing, right. or, or whatever the swing is. Yeah. Uh, the big problem with Tiger, and this is going to go back to how we started this conversation. The big problem with Tiger, aside from his personal difficulties in the last four or five years, has been injury. You bet. It's his back. Yep. Okay. And and. And Brandel made the point, Chambly made the point, if his back holds up, um, he may win a few. He may, he looked, he's looked good so far. He's got to keep his strain level down, you know? Right. And, it's, um, and the, again, I hope Steve Podvorsky's still listening because it's all about how he's going to prevent his injuries. And, and, and just, I mean, he doesn't have to bust at 350 every time he goes out. He's got enough skill to win with a 290-yard drive. In a, Sean, you're an astute observer of golf swings. You bet. Absolutely. And you, you, I'm sure you've studied Tiger over the years. Yes. From the 19-year-old kid, the 19-skinny-year-old kid, skinny 19-year-old kid that yep. came up. And then he bulked up as his career. He had, I can't even remember his coaches. I think he, he had Butch, and then he had Hank Haney, and then yep. he had Sean Foley, Foley and yep. Chris Como, and yep. probably a couple of guys in between. Yep. Okay. So... When Tiger first came up, he had a free-flowing swing. Yes. And then he became mechanical over time. Yeah. And we got only a minute and a half left, Sean. It's so uh, sign of the times, man. I mean, and where is he from what you've seen in this latest iteration of a comeback? Where's is, is Tiger gone back to more to where he came from? Or is he still in that mechanical mode? Well, I mean, I hear he's doing it on his own right now, which is great. All he has to do is play the shots. 
and monitor, you know, be observant as to how much strain he's using. I remember this beautiful clinic he did here in Toronto for American Express, and he was able to hit an 8-iron, a 7-iron, a 6-iron, a 5-iron, all at the same distance. He had beautiful control over his swing. And his second coach, John Anselmo, made the best observation ever. He says, every time I give Tiger Woods a shot to execute, he's the best I've ever seen. Anytime I give him a position to hit, he's mediocre at best. So there it is, you know, get out there, play the shots, you know, see the picture, make sure your setup matches the picture, deliver into your picture, monitor your strain, and just go along that merry way. Anyways, we've been talking to Sean Clement, wisdomandgolf.com. Yeah, man. Sean Clement on YouTube. Uh, of course, the Richmond Hill Academy, the Wisdom and Golf Academy is there. Wisdom Golf Academy in it's Richmond still Hill. there, Richmond Hill, Bathurst and Seven. Sean, uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm going to miss you. You're not. You're not going to be. You got to come in. You get, when you come in town, give hey, well, me give me a warning. My uh, uh, we'll be back. I Don't may, worry. I may need some help on my golf game at some point in time. I'll be back to see my team on a regular basis. Give me give me some fair warning. Uh, we can't let you go that easily. And, so uh, and, hey, Quebec City's a bucket lace place to go, man. And, you got to uh, come. I got absolutely. We'll come and visit you in Quebec City. Right on, man. Anyways, thanks for joining us this morning. We'll catch you at the it's the Toronto Golf Show. Yes, sir. Two weeks' time. Yes. Uh, head down there. Check out Sean Clement. Help out your golf game. Show you all of the all of the latest technology that's going on in the world. It'll be well worth your visit. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Thanks. So my buddy Naz missed you this morning, Naz. Uh, hopefully, we we'll get you back next Sunday morning. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.